Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome everyone. We are continuing to discuss 2 Samuel in our morning Bible study. We are happy you're here to join us. Dad, will you pray for us? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we just want to glorify and magnify your name, Lord. Mm -hmm. You are God and we are your people. And we just glorify you and praise you, Thank you Jesus. for who you are, Lord. Mm -hmm. And yes, we are thankful and grateful for everything that you have done for us and are continuing to do. But Lord, we first and foremost just want to seek you in your face. And we welcome you. We welcome your Holy Spirit into this place, knowing that you're already here in our midst. But we welcome you to have your way, to teach us, to lead us, to guide us into truth, wisdom, knowledge, into the revelation of you, your nature, your character. So that we can be changed and be more like you, more like your son, Jesus. And we just glorify you and we thank you that it's already done. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So today we are in Second Samuel chapter 7. So everybody ready to get in the word? Yes. All right. So can I get a volunteer to read... Uh, verses 1 through 17. I will. All right, sir. Now it came to pass when the king was doing in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his many enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time I brought the children of Israel from Egypt, even to this day. But have moved about in a tent, in a, tabern in, in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to share for my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more, as previously. Since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies, also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled, and, the re and you rest with your fathers, I will get, I will set up. Up your seed after you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will cha cha chasten him right? Chasten, yep. with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from you. From before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Mm -hmm. So, what did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? And/or, what questions or comments do you have?
I kind of found it interesting, like, how yesterday we were reading in Deuteronomy 28 about how your enemies will be at peace with you. Um, that's actually in Proverbs, sweetheart. Uh, in Deuteronomy 28, it talks about when they come out against you one way, they'll flee before you seven ways. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? But the scripture that you're talking about is Proverbs 16 or 7. Go ahead and turn there. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Is that the one you were thinking about? Yes. Okay, go ahead. What else were you thinking? Then, like how the Lord's talking of... When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seat after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. I found it interesting, like, the... seed... The seed he... Noah's talking about, there's more than one, but the one... He's talking about right here. Are you thinking about Solomon or day or Jesus? The one he's talking about is Solomon. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. I explain, sir. That's it. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seat after you. You will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. Mm-hmm. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's talking about his son, one of his sons? Yes. Mm-hmm. What else were you thinking about that? And then it also says, your throne shall be established forever. Okay. Hmm, kind of like in, I think it's somewhere... Explain, sir. Mm-hmm. I think it's like in the beginning of Matthew or Mark, it gives the genealogy of Jesus. Yes, he is in fact. Mm-hmm. And like you can see, it said forever. It then, but during the time of Jesus, um, I'm not sure if they had a king then. Mm-hmm. They had the Roman guys. That's right. And then there's Jesus. Then You're like right. how Jesus lives forever. He is God and he is king forever. Mm-hmm. Um, you're right, sweetheart. So the forever does speak to our Lord and Savior because you're right. At some point they didn't have a Jewish king. They were under the servant, I mean, under the subjection to other peoples. Right? Yes. And um, even with, with amongst that, there was fighting and wranglings from other families and whatnot to become king. But the, the most significant, I mean, yes, he did have a son, and like there were generations after David that were of his lineage. But the most important seed, the most important lineage is that of Jesus Christ, right? And yes. He is forever. So... Yeah, good job. Mm-hmm. Okay. What else? 
Do you want me to read the genealogy? Yeah. What, what page? What are you at? Where are you at? What chapter? Matthew 1. Okay. The Lord keeps his promises. The book, is everybody there? Uh, I'm, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Go for it, sir. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zaria by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amenadab. Amenadab. Amenadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Solomon. 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 Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Mm-hmm. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been a wife, been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah, Abijah. and Abijah begot Asa. Mm-hmm. Asa begot Josephat. Josephat begot. Joram, Joram begot Isaiah, Isaiah begot Jotham, Jotham begot As, As, mm-hmm. and As begot Hezekiah, mm-hmm. Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh, Manasseh begot Amon, Amon begot Joash, Josiah, Josiah, sorry, mm-hmm. Josiah begot Jochen, Jeconiah and his brothers about to turn their trade away to Babylon. Mm-hmm. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jack Jeconiah begot Shealtiel. Shealtiel. Mm-hmm. And Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiud. Abiud. Abiud begot Elakum. Elakim begot Azor, Azor begot Zadok, Zadok begot Akim, and Akim begot Elud, Elud begot Elshazzar, Elshazzar begot Mathen, Mathen, and Mathen begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, who was born Jesus, who was born Jesus, who was called Christ. Amen. So you you see that the Lord keeps his word. Yes. He keeps his promises. So, thank you, sweetheart. Jesus is the seed of promise here. Absolutely. So how else do you know that what the Lord was saying to David was, in fact, talking about eternally? What do you mean by eternally? That it wasn't just about the current time or the time that David was living and dwelling in. Um, well, it talks about forever. Okay. It's almost impossible to guarantee that one family will rule anything for all, all times. Well, I mean, it's not impossible with God, but I understand what you're saying. Many have tried it, right, in various say the Chinese dynasties and all that, right? Yes. So, yep, there is that. However, David comes with a, I'll say, a, a purpose in his heart, right? Which is what? To build a wood house. Just as he has a house. Okay. And what was the Lord's reply? He blessed David. He did. But he also said what? That he, when he told him no, he never asked anyone to do that. Is that the part you're talking about? The Lord's response to as part of it, but the mm-hmm. Lord's response to David was, "I'm going to prepare you a place." All right. Yes. Okay. Is that not identical to what Jesus says to his disciples? We can go to John 14. All right, the first. Uh, We'll say four verses. 
where he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. So we know that Jesus ascended into heaven, but also he told his disciples he was going to prepare a place for them. You see that same language and what's at the core of what Jesus was saying written here to David. Talking about eternal life and kingdom in heaven. Right? Yes. Okay, so that's that's one aspect. Well, what else did you get out of that? I also noticed like how the Lord subtly told David, no, like he can't build the house. He said, your son, your seed will build my house. Not you, not David will build, will build my house. Mm-hmm. So it was just, but the Lord was kind about it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, there's multiple accounts of that, right? If you go to First Chronicles, uh, chapter 22. Although it's also mentioned, I believe, chapter 17. Um, oh, no, sorry. In chapter 17, it was talk- the Lord was talking to David about how the Lord would build David a house. But in chapter 22, of course, this conversation comes at a later time. But there's a something additional in here, which I think is is important, right? So... And I say it's a later time because David is having a conversation with Solomon about building the temple. So it starts in in verse 6, right? It says, he, he, as David, called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, You have shed much blood and have made great wars. You shall not build a house for my name, because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. And then he goes into the covenant, right? Behold, my son shall be born to you, who shall be a man of rest, and I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon, for I will give peace and quietness to Israel in those days. He shall build me a house for my name. He shall be my son, I will be his father, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. So, there's a slightly different way it's phrased there, right? Some additional detail. The Lord is the God of details. Of every detail. He knows everything. So he doesn't leave stuff out. He doesn't, I'll say, skirt over stuff. But he addresses it. He reveals it to us. And that's what David is saying and pointing out there. Right? Yes. Okay. But now we look at, and this is something we've brought up, going over various things with David. The reason he was not able to build it was because of what? The raids he was conducting while he was in Ziklag. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He was not fighting the Lord's battles then. Mm-hmm. Because the Lord honors obedience. So how is it that the Lord would punish David for obedience of fighting the Lord's battles, of freeing the people? And mm-hmm. right, so asking David to do this thing, to be the champion of Israel, right? We saw that yes. even as a as a lad defeating Goliath. And then punish him for the things that he's asked him to do. That's not the Lord. That's not the Lord's nature or character. Yes. He is not yes and no. But he is yes and amen. Let your yes be yes and your no be no, right? Yes. He's not a man that he should lie. And in him is no shadow or deviation of turning. 
So the Lord blesses and honors those who are obedient to him. It's throughout the entirety of the Bible. He is constantly encouraging, admonishing people to just live in obedience to the Lord. So, no, as you pointed out, Kyle, it was because of David's actions and not following the Lord, going about his own way out of the flesh. And you see those seeds that were planted, and actually you see them all the way back with when he was on the run, even before those raids, with um, his, well, I'll say second wife, the one... Um, Abel? Abigail? Abigail, yes, Abigail. thank you. Thank you. With Abigail. That's when they were planning, because what was he going to do at that time? Uh, kill the entire house? He was going to slaughter everyone, especially Abigail's husband. And then, what did he say to Abigail? Uh, thank you, you have kept me, essentially. You have from kept me. sinning. Yes, you have kept me from committing this sin. So you see right there, that was an opportunity, and the Lord provided a way of escape, as he says he will do in his word. Right? There's no temptation too great, that the Lord will still provide a, a way out. Right? He did in that moment. But you see, as it, that seed was there, David didn't deal with that, and then grew. And then he overrode, internally, if you will, overrode the way of escape and forced himself to commit the actions that he did. And we see that there's the cost now. He's unable to do what he had purposed in his heart to do for the Lord. The Lord told him no. Yes. Right? Obedience is a huge factor. You see the same thing with Moses. He didn't just follow the Lord and revere him in front of the people. He wasn't able to enter the promised land. There was a cost for disobedience. In this life, there's a cost. So it's important. I want us to, to recognize this so we can choose to just be obedient to the Lord and everything he says, not what we think or, or I'll say, concoct for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Or I mean, Lord's saying that, you, hey, what, what you want to do is, is admirable. But he couldn't let him do it. Mm -hmm. He already told us in Genesis 9... Um, let's see, verses four and five, this is after the flood, and um, God is re-establishing the covenant with Noah and his sons, and let's see, verse, I'll restart reading at verse three, and um, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I have given you all things, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. Surely for lifeblood I will demand a reckoning. From the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of man. From the, man, from the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. <clears throat> As for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. So you see the, the Lord hasn't changed. There's still an account that must be given mm -hmm. when blood is shed unjustly. Um, so David wasn't excused from that. When David repented, God had mercy on him, right? And yes. he remained or was allowed to be covered in that area so that he wasn't himself killed by other people because of the, the forgiveness, right? Um, yes. And the repentance, but still, there are consequences. And remember, this was David was doing those raids at a point when he was despondent. When he ceased to believe that God would keep him safe and deliver him, he said, oh, I'm, at some point I'm going to eventually die by Saul's hand, which was directly opposite of what God said to him, that he would establish him as king. You can't be king if you're dead. You know, um, and God is not a someone who tricks us. So um, don't be despondent. Stay with the Lord. 
keep trusting him, keep believing, keep walking with him. And don't allow those things to, to steer you off course. Yes. But you were right, Kyla. It was very gentle how the Lord ministered to him. And I understand, but, you know, there's, there's these things that God is just. And while he, he loves you, but you know what I mean? He, he was gentle and now he dealt with him. Absolutely. And still helping David to understand who God is. So, so there is that. What else did you guys get out of it? Out of this section of scripture? It just amuses me, like, how David wanted to build the Lord a house, and it said he was in his house when he thought of it. Mm-hmm. And even in the previous chapter, when he wanted to bring God to his city where where David was, that he wanted to, the Lord to be close. And you can also see, like, how important it was, like, the house, how important it was with David and him being on the run and having, being close to the Lord, how significant it is for him and it's such a big turnaround considering like his earlier points in life where he couldn't be close to the Lord and he couldn't go to the temple or anything mm-hmm. he was hiding out in the sticks mm-hmm. he also didn't have a home for a long time one place to go in and you know like to leave Worked from and come back they were living in caves, and some of them were familiar caves because they circled around the same places repeatedly, but it still wasn't home. And then you remember the gift that God gave him that let David know that he had established him was a house. Exactly. He had ministered to someone's heart to um, another king's heart to send him the provisions and come and build it for him. And that was a, a treat and a blessing and something that was significant but intimate between him and God. God knew the desires and the longing of his heart. And he remembered God as well. Like, well, Lord, if I felt like this, how much do you feel? And that thinking of, in a, that's a childlike approach to it. But it shows the realness of their relationship. God wasn't some billowy cloud afar off. You know what I mean? Something like wisps of smoke, some, something that wasn't real to him. God is alive and real, and he is truth and he was very more real to him than anything else and anybody else he was just as real as the person next to him that he would consider you need a home god i mean i know that's important for everybody yes so you you see both his childlike nature which jesus said if we don't come to him as a child we cannot be his right yes and the realness of just considering him and just the, the very basic things of you have feelings too, God. <laughs> you matter too. <laughs> and seeing him that, that um, intimately, that deeply, that close to himself, it lets you know that they had a real relationship that we speak of often. Absolutely. Not just acting like God is a, a religious Entity, come in, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, turn around three times and go home, and that's all he wants from you. But the insistence that he has of, I will be your God, you will be my people, I will dwell with you, mm-hmm. and I will be with them, and nothing will anymore separate us. The, the way God keeps repeating that from the beginning of the word to the very end of it, Absolutely. he keeps repeating that, that he wants to dwell with us. David took that literally. It meant, he meant that. He understood, God, this is your heart crying out to us. This is what you want. It's not about treasures and trinkets and the, the legalities of where I stand, where I go, but it's about us being one together. And when we're one, I listen to you. I naturally obey what you have to tell me. When we're one, I do what it is that's pleasing to you, that you require from me. 
And then he likewise fulfills his role and his purpose in our life and his plan for us, which is to what? Dwell with us, be one with us, and have us be one with him so that he is our God and we are his people and we know that in a real and tangible way. Yes? Mm-hmm. Two things I want to cover here because it's important. First, I'll ask this question. What's your thoughts about Nathan? What do you mean? What about him? Like how you initially said, go, and then he had to come back later? Like mm-hmm. Samuel and Saul? Similarly. But it is different. <coughs> right? Nathan, clearly a prophet, right? It's always identified in verse 2. And then he gives the okay. He says, yeah, go do everything that's in your heart. The Lord's with you. But then he has to come back and say, no, you can't. The Lord won't allow you to do it. Why is that? Which part? That he had to come back a second time? That he had to come back and change his original statement. Because he wasn't listening in that moment? I don't think that, but I think it was more so... He knew the Lord was with him in all things, but but no one's perfect, so I didn't think much of it, but I think it was more so. He was like, I know the Lord's with you. It's clear. The Lord's with you. Mm-hmm. Go about and do it. And I'm sure he knew David asked the Lord himself, asked the Lord about things himself. Yeah, and it seemed like an honorable thing. He wasn't asking for anything wrong. Sure. So I'm sure he was like, I he didn't see anything wrong with it. And... Yes. Maybe he didn't. I mean, clearly he didn't hear from God at that time. No, don't do it. But did he ask? Did he listen? I don't know. But I think in the instance, he was just like, I don't see anything wrong with that. There's no immediate red flags going off. It's an honorable thing. The Lord spoke out, stop. Yeah, and it it was admirable. Mm -hmm. God had already signified and made it clear that he was pleased with them because he gave him peace like he brought up promise. Gave him, caused his enemies all around him to be at peace with them. So I'm sure he didn't see anything wrong with it. Like, okay, I get it. It doesn't take away from the fact that we are to hear from the Lord first, bring our plans before the Lord, mm-hmm. say what he says to say, and do what he says to do. That's obedience. Especially, I'll say, in the position that Nathan had as a prophet, to be the mouthpiece of the Lord. I can't be the the mouthpiece of the Lord, if you will. No one can. If they are speaking out of the flesh. Yes. Um, The mouthpiece of the Lord says the things that the Lord is saying. Only. Yes. Only that. So, again, you see that here. Now, it was... It was good for Nathan that he came back and addressed that. Right? Yes. Brought himself back into alignment with what the Lord was saying and wanted to have happen in this situation. Coming back into obedience. So it's important as an example and a, a lesson for all of us. Say what the Lord says to say. Do what he says to do. That's exactly what Jesus said multiple times. I say what my father says, I do what my father does. Nothing on my own initiative. But only as the father commands me. Right? Yes. And the other thing I want to ask about is, how do you understand the covenant? Because this clearly is where the Lord makes his covenant with David. So I'll ask, is it the same as Anything you've heard previously? Is it different? And if it is, how so? I mean, it's slightly different. Explain. Is it different in language, or is it different at the core? Um, language. I would say more so language. Okay, explain. Slightly. Explain. Because it's... Go ahead, promise. Go ahead, promise. And 
I'm not sure where it is, but there it said, I'll be your guy and you'll be my people. Then it said, I'll be his father and he shall be my son. Hmm. Okay. Talking about David's descendants, and specifically Solomon. Okay. And, and what? How does that continue through the generations? Well, not just with David, sir. But he says what? That we have to approach like a child, right? Yes. He, as in the Lord, also calls us sons, right? Yes. And daughters of the Most High, of course, right? Yes. Okay. But like children. To a father. Yeah? Yes. It's written throughout Scripture. What else? Um, I was going to say it's slightly different in wording because he says established forever. When he first made the covenant with David, he didn't mention that part. And he also talks about how he's going to chastise his sons. Okay. So it was saying like... David will always have an heir, not that they will never face a hard time. Sure. There, there's discipline involved. Yes. And the discipline, the goal of discipline is what? To bring him back to the Lord. Bring him back into alignment with the Lord. Show him the correct way in which they should go through life, right? Yes. yes. Okay. So I want to read a section of Scripture. That should sound familiar. We brought this up when we were going over 1 Samuel, chapter 13. Now in this section, the Lord removes the kingdom from Saul. But Listen to what's said. Uh, Starting chapter 13, verse 13. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now... The Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Does that sound familiar to what David's saying? Or to what is being said to David? Yes. Establishing the, your kingdom forever. Well, the same... I'll say promise, covenant, whichever way you want to phrase it, is made to Saul, was made to Saul. Uh, However, there are conditions. Obedience being the condition. Mm -hmm. Complete obedience. But then let's also point something else out, right? And it comes down to how you understand covenant. Because a lot of people look at covenant and they divide it up. Well, this is the covenant to Abraham. This is the covenant to David, right? These are all these different covenants that were made. And even Jesus, right, in the New Testament, he says, this is the new covenant in my blood, right? Yes. They focus on these, the different times covenants are given. And then, of course, the word new, right? Yes. But I will tell you that they're all the same. The Lord literally makes the same covenant over and over again with everyone that will be obedient to him. Yes. And us as coming to Christ, being Christians, believers, followers of Christ, he makes the same covenant with you. So let's go to in Genesis you look at it in two places, just like we just did with with David, right? When he uh, so in Genesis fifteen, God makes a covenant with Abraham, if you will, right? Yes. But in Genesis fifteen, if you really read that over, the Lord is talking. He makes a covenant, but he's also talking about the blessings that are part of the covenant, right? Yes. How he will give him a seed, he'll give him an heir, and and all these things, right? Um, and also give him land, 
right? They'll have this this land for the people, right? But then in Genesis 17, he gives, the Lord provides more detail and instruction, right? Just like we read with David in chapter 7, but then also in 1 Chronicles 22, right? there was more instruction given as to the why, specifics and details, right? You have the same thing here. Genesis 17, I'll say verse 7 and 8. It says, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I will give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Is this not almost identical to what the Lord is saying to David? On two fronts. Yes, it's the land, and clearly in this, the Lord has given the land to David. He's established that he's, he's united the kingdom, correct? Yes. So now there is peace. But the Lord is also discussing the future, the everlasting kingdom, heaven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is both. But you see in here, the covenants are the same. And we, we did a teaching on this about, um, what's the title of it? Um, I think operating and understanding, yeah, understanding first, understanding the will of the Lord and operating in the will of the Lord for more details on this. But you see this covenant, which, as we just pointed out, it's the same. Same one he made with Abraham, he's making with David, and he made it with Saul. When Saul was in obedience to the Lord, right, and serving the Lord, the Lord being Saul's God, and Saul being the Lord's person, his people, right? Yes. Like a father to a son. It's, it's the same for everyone. But you see this throughout the entirety of the word. Right? Yes. Okay. So don't be confused when... People try to divide up the, the covenants and make it seem like there are multiple covenants. In reality, it's the same covenant made over and over again. Right? Yes. Okay. Does everyone understand that or do you have questions? I understand. Okay. So if someone keeps saying the same thing over and over, what does that mean? It's important. It's important. It's very important. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, we can look at even, uh, I'll give you one more. Jeremiah 31. Because right, like I said, sometimes we can get focused on the word new and think that it's something completely different, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Right, you see this even in in natural means, the world, right? Uh, for a business product or something, right? It's new and improved. Well, hold on. Wait a second here. <laughs> right? And Jesus is not a scammer. He's he is not, not. A, a shyster. But what he was saying, what he wanted us to focus on was that his blood had been shed. And it was eternally right. put there for our repentance, for our remittance of sin versus the animals having to be slaughtered yearly. Yes, Jesus For a temporary being, covering. He is the permanent covering. As the sacrificial lamb. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So uh, we're going to start in verse 31. I'll read verses 31 through 34. Ready? Yes. It says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. 
I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I will remember no more. Which is the same thing that he has established from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. So I want us to, to understand this. Right? He says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm -hmm. We see here, it's also demonstrated through his covenant. A span of, what, hundreds, thousands of years even? And yet, it's the same. Yep, and you can continue and look at it even in the New Testament, right? Which they reference the old. But the, it's always the same. Mm -hmm. I will be your God. As the Lord saying, I will be your God. And you will be my people. Mm-hmm. And he's renewing their covenant. Exactly. Like what he's describing here is renewing the covenant that he made with them. The, the one they when you break something, you, you invalidate it's, it's it. It's nullified. But when you renew it, he's still the same God, and he's adding the Holy Spirit. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Right? And yes. every, then skipping down, and he's also adding the blood of Jesus. Like this is the covering for your sins here. Let's see. What does it say? I'll remember your sins no more. Um, verse 34 at the, at the very end. Okay. And their sin I will remember no more. Okay. So with the temporary covering, it was just that temporary. But the sea of forgetfulness, eternally covering them under the blood of Jesus, is something that was, but it was still renewed. It, it, yes. Versus being something totally separate and different. Yes. So he just keeps renewing his covenant with us. And with everyone that comes in to, I'll say it, it comes into the faith mm -hmm. or submits to his lordship, making him God, putting him in his rightful place mm -hmm. in our lives, in every aspect of our lives. And mm -hmm. us out of obedience and a love and a desire to serve him, serving him. Any questions on that? There's a lot. I, I, I understand. <laughs> like, that, that's a lot. There's a lot in there. It's a lot that was discussed. So it may take some time for you to, to meditate and, and please, by all means, search it out. Search mm -hmm. out the scriptures. That's very important. Get the Bible out and read the word along with us and spend your own time listening to the Holy Spirit, letting Him reveal and uncover His word to you so that you can discover and know for yourself what his word says, what his desires and intentions are towards you. Taking our word for it is not good enough. You can't stand on my word. When, no. they, when the day of judgment comes or when the enemy co tries to um, come against you, you cannot say, Kamisha said. Well, my mommy said, you can say God said. You can say the word of God said. You can say it is written. Amen. Because I always like to say the cheese stands alone, even though God is <laughs> more than cheese. <laughs> he is always God all by himself. His word stands. His purpose will endure and will be successful and conquer and remain. Everything else will not. So check the word. Get in it daily and find out if what we're telling you is the truth. Amen. Yes. All right. It's exactly what Paul says in the New Testament, right? Search it for yourselves and mm -hmm. see if what I'm telling you is the truth. See if it's so or not. Mm-hmm. And Always, 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 always remember to allow the Holy Spirit to give you revelation, to give you insight, to make his word and his purposes known to you. Because reading words on a piece of paper are not enough. Memorization is not enough. The Holy Spirit, part of his role is to quicken the word and make it alive to us, to quicken us, to help us to understand, to guide us into all truth. Right? And make known the yes. secret things of God to us so that way we can understand them, so we can walk in them and rightly apply them to our life. So you cannot have one 
without the other. You cannot take Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You need them together. Jesus is the word. And he promised that he would give us a comforter. God is who he is. He is one. Father, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God Mm -hmm. in one. Okay? So take the fullness of God. The whole, the wholeness of God, because he, it's important to him. He desires that. He wouldn't say that he's God and this is, they're equally God, and then go leave one out. Ignore this, this part of me. No, absolutely he does not. not. He does not desire that. He does not do that. Okay, well, let's, let's continue. In this. Uh, can I get a volunteer to read verses 18 through the end of the chapter, please? I will. All right, sir. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house, that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord. And you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the matter of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your, ser- know your servant. For your words' sake, and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you. According to all this, we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to to redeem for himself as people, to make himself a name, and to do for yourself great and awesome deeds for your land, before your people, whom you redeemed for yourself from Egypt, the nations, and their gods. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have come, have become their have become their God. Now, O Lord, the now, O Lord God, the word which you have spoken concerning your servant, concerning his house, establish, establish it forever, and do as you have said. So let your name be magnificent forever, saying, "The Lord of hosts is God over Israel," and let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now therefore, let it please let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that I might continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. So, I have a question. What was David's response to everything the Lord had said that we were discussing previously? He was receptive, but it was also, he was insistent on, Lord, you did this for me. Let me return the favor, if you will. And he understood. I don't think he was, like, the Lord's subtle and that you can't build the house. But it was more so, like, he's grateful to the Lord and insistent on, I need to build you a house, Lord. You need a house more than I need a house. Okay, but he didn't, which is all, yes, that's correct. But what I'm saying, and the point I want us to recognize is he didn't just focus on being told no and the thing he could not do, but he recognized and received, as you stated, which is a great word and a great descriptor of, of that, right? The greater thing that the Lord was doing wanted to do in and through David and his descendants. Mm-hmm. 
if he approached it and stayed in his flesh, right? Of I just want to do this thing for you, Lord, even though it was great intentions. Yes. He would have missed out on the greater thing, right? Yes. Yep. But in there, he has to acknowledge some things, right, about his own life, and you know, and, and the people, and, and everything that that's happened, good and the bad. However, he focuses on the on the Lord and what the Lord says, because the Lord is good, and the Lord intends to bless everyone. Yes. All right. We talk about similarities, right? Yes. Yes. If you go to Exodus 34, you see the same. You see a lot of similarities there. Now, in the first four verses, right, Moses, in this case, receives instructions from the Lord to take two tablets, right? Because he's, they've got to be redone. Okay. And then the Lord describes himself and who he is, right? Yes. So I want to read that, please. Verses 5 through 7. I can read it. All right, Kyla. Now the Lord ascended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Mm-hmm. In a verse 8, what was Moses' response? He quickly bowed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and worshipped. Mm-hmm. And worshipped. And then what does Moses do? He acknowledges some things, Right. He acknowledges that he's found grace in the Lord's sight, and he asked the Lord to go among them. Even though, right, he acknowledges, this is is what it says, even though we are a stiff-necked people. And he asked them to pardon their iniquity and their sin and take them, the children of Israel, as the inheritance. And then, what does the Lord do? So I want to read verses 10 and 11, please. I'll read it. All right. And he said, Behold, I make a covenant. Before all your people, I will do marvels such as not have been done in all the earth, nor in any nation, and all the people among whom you shall see the work of the Lord. I'm sorry, whom you are shall see the work of the Lord. For it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Observe what I command you this day. Behold, I am driving out from before you the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. Take heed to yourself, lest you make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land where you go, and are, where you are going, lest it be a snare in your midst. Should I keep going? Well, well I just want 10 11, but oh, I'm yeah, sorry, that works baby. too. All right. But in this, so from verses 12 through, I'll say 24, all right, you see the Lord laying, I'll say, foundation, reestablishing some laws, some rules, some precepts, some commandments with the people. Um, and actually, he even does it through 26. But then in 27, he tells Moses to write these words, for according to the tenor of these words, I have made a covenant with you in Israel. Right? Now, the covenant, when you get down to it, if you really study it out, is the exact same thing that we've read for Abraham for Saul, for David. We read it in Jeremiah. And here in Mo- with Moses, while it wasn't stated, I'll be your God, you'll be my people, that's what Moses' response was. It was acted out. He received the words of the Lord. Right? Hey, I'm going to do these things for you. And yes, Moses then asked him, again, just, he just asks them to do it, right? While worshiping him for what he's going to do, not just for Moses, but for all the people. But it was acted out, not so much stated. But at the core, it's still the same thing. The Lord proclaims who he is 
and you see those same, his nature, his characteristics, his omniscience, omnipresence, and omnipotence in what he, the, how the Lord describes himself. And then Moses immediately does what? He bows down and submits to God's lordship. Yes. Okay? David is doing the same thing here in 2 Samuel 7, right? The second half of this chapter in his prayer. So I just want us to see the similarities, right? And how the covenant is the same. And there's also submitting to his lordship and receiving what comes as a result of submitting to the Lord, being his servant, putting him in his rightful place as your God. Mm-hmm. And then retaking our rightful place as his people. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it has to be, you have to, every individual has to come into alignment with this. It's not right, just like the children of Israel in the wilderness with Moses. They couldn't come into it through their relationship with Moses. The Lord desired a personal, deep, and intimate relationship with every one of them. Mm-hmm. However, many refused. The generation after them came in and into alignment with this the covenant that the Lord's established under Moses and then, yes, under Joshua. And they went into the land. They entered into the fullness of the promise of the covenant that the Lord had made. Mm-hmm. And when they were disobedient, they were removed. Yes. We must put the Lord in his rightful place and be obedient to him. In all mm-hmm. things, at all times. Mm-hmm. Any questions or comments? No. All right. Well, let's let's close there for today because there's a lot. Mm-hmm. So we'll give people time to meditate and and speak to the Lord about it and let the Lord reveal things to you. Mm-hmm. All right. Um. Before we close, I just want to. Really quickly, reiterate what that means in uh, Exodus 34, the last part of verse 7. Yes. Um, Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. We already know that God doesn't punish us, right? Yes. And he doesn't deal with us according to what someone else did. He deals with each man according to their own works. That means simply is that God doesn't forget. Just because you get old something you've done in your sin that was committed in the youth and iniquity. It doesn't matter if you're an old man, an old woman, and you've seen three and four generations come. Your hair is white on your head. It does not go away because time has passed. It does not forget. The sin is still there and alive, just like it's freshly committed. If you're continuing to live in iniquity, old age doesn't buy you out. Correct. Is, is you what have that means. To, you are required to bring it to the Lord. It doesn't go away just and because time forgiveness. has passed. Absolutely. It still has to be brought under the blood of Jesus. Not that your children are going to suffer. God is going to impute your sin to them. He does not do that. That would be unjust. And he makes that clear in other mm-hmm. scripture in other places. Mm-hmm. But he's just saying time is irrelevant, how long it's been. If it has not been dealt with, it's still there. It still remains. Exactly. So bring it to Jesus. <laughs> Honey, would you mind closing us out in prayer? Sure, sweetheart. Lord, we just bless you. We thank you so much for who you are. And we just honor you, Lord. We honor your name and we just glorify you and magnify you, Jesus. You are higher and above all, Lord God. All things are possible for you and for us when we're with you, God. And we just thank you for who you are. You are the I am that I am. And we just love you, Jesus. We bless you and we thank you for your word today. Holy Spirit, minister this word to us as we continue throughout our day and we stay in your presence, Lord God. Teach us how to walk with you. Teach us how to follow after you, Lord. And help us to do the things that are pleasing in your sight. Um, Teach us more and more each day, Lord God. 
Comfort us, Holy Spirit. Watch over your people as they're going about the tasks that you've already assigned them to, the, the good works that you've already provided for them to walk in, Lord God. Make it easy for them to hear your voice and help them to stand on your word, Lord God. Help them to walk in love. Help us all to be exactly what it is that you, that you desired and de- designed us to be, Lord God. We love you and we thank you, Lord. We bless your name, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we love you. God bless you. And everybody have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.